the fact that you've gone through everything you've gone through and you've, you've climbed out of it, you are real like everybody else. And that's what, what makes you likable. Welcome to another episode of the Perspective Podcast. My name is Devin. This is my co-host Mitch Harley. And today we've got Jewel Fraser on and we're going to be talking about overcoming adversity. Uh, from what I hear, Jewel, you have a really incredible story. Um, and I'm just going to let you kind of start from the beginning. Who are you and where are you from? Oh, gosh. Well, again, I'm Jewel Fraser, and I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm not born and bred. Um, I'm actually a military brat and moved around a lot. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because uh, moving a lot and having to uh, transition has become um, kind of the mainframe of who I am. It's moving has allowed me to meet people all over the world. It's, it's allowed me to learn how to adapt and change very quick. It's allowed me to be able to make connections and build rapport and trust with people fast because I've always been moving, always, always been moving. So some people ask me all the time, what was that like? Didn't, didn't you hate that? Well, I don't know any different. It's honestly all I know. So I, I don't have a childhood best friend. I didn't you know, graduate with kids I, I went to preschool with. I don't have those kind of connections, but but I can literally connect with anyone. And so the fact that I've moved around all over the place, I've really used as a, to my advantage. So I'm a subscriber to the idea that um, being social is a set of tools or skills that you can acquire uh, anybody can do it. It's not reserved for some elite group of people, uh, whether you're introvert or extrovert. Um, you can put into practice certain things that help you get to know people, get over yourself, um, build those, build your network in a, in a meaningful way and, and gain success as a result from that. And it sounds to me like you're kind of a, uh, a testimonial of that um, being that that was your whole upbringing, how has that served you uh, as you kind of, you know, entered your working life? Um, I can tell you that I, I have been offered every job I've ever applied for. Um, I, it's, it's given me people skills, really, because I can connect. I can find a common ground within seconds when it takes, you know, other people a lot longer. And, and because I can do that, then, then I'm gaining their trust. And, and I, I just, I do use it to my advantage. It, it doesn't mean everything is all peaches and roses. Cause right. <laughs> it's not, um, cause I've definitely been through a lot, um, moving you, you have to be stable within you as a person. If everything else is moving around you there, it's like, organized chaos. If I'm grounded inside, you know, home is where the heart is. I can go anywhere. But if I'm not feeling, if I'm feeling broken and insecure, then uh, that's, that's the worst thing that can happen to me is to uproot me again. So let's kind of take that back then, because you and me have uh, talked at length about, you know, you ended up in a dark place. You ended up in that hard. So coming from somebody who 
you know, kind of had that ability to just land any job they wanted, what broke you? Because you, you kind of went to that bottom before you there came back up. There are a few up. things, uh, a few things. Um, and I'll start present and go backwards. You take someone that's an extrovert and you force them to be an introvert with COVID. Um, my, my kids have all grown and moved out of the house and I'm all alone. So an, an extrovert being alone is like, <laughs> that's torture. It has been absolute torture. And so I went into this dark place because many things changed. My, I worked in a salon, I'm an esthetician. So then now I didn't have a job. Now I don't have, I'm not seeing people at my cup. Isn't I'm not filling up with the connections like live human connection. Everything is just one dimensional now. So that was one I, I broke 2020 was, was, was tough for me in that sense, just because it was a loneliness I'd never experienced, but because I was forced to be alone, it also forced me to deal with me. I'm not worried about what everyone else is doing, being the social butterfly. It, it forced me to look within. So it was a hard year, but then uh, it, I've learned so much about myself and what I'm willing to deal with. Um, if I were to take a step backwards in, in some of my other obstacles, I have in the past given people chances a lot longer than, than they have deserved. And I thought, oh, if I'm just a little more understanding or I got to be patient, I've allowed people to treat me like shit. Um, relationships. And then I just kept going back because, you know, oh, I've got to be understanding. Um, no, yeah, that's, I'm not that person anymore, but I've been completely broken. And I reached a point where I thought, this is the question I asked myself, why am I willing to put up with this? But if this happened to my daughter, why would I, why would that be unacceptable? Right. Why, why is it okay for me, but it wouldn't be okay for her. And that's what snapped me out of it, you know, and not, not accepting someone else's excuses. Say, like, oh, well, it's because they had a tough upbringing. That's why they're treating me like this. Okay. Maybe they did, but that doesn't still doesn't give them the right to do it. I had this conversation actually with my girlfriend the other day, we were talking about how hard it is for somebody who's dealt with deep trauma um, and still has it, you know, kind of lingering or unresolved, uh, how tough it is for that person to create boundaries and uh, do them in a respectful way, but uh, do it from a place of love. And one of the themes that came up in our conversation was this idea um, of the paradigm of scarcity versus abundance. So just to unpack that a little bit, uh, scarcity is where most people operate from. Um, you know, feeling like they have a lack of money, a lack of resources, a lack of friends or family, a lack of a significant other. Um, and this lack creates uh, turmoil in, in someone's self and their identity. Uh, so when they are out in the world or they're putting themselves out there, uh, it makes them become almost like people pleasing. They do more than they should. They accept more bad behavior than, you know, most people would. And, uh, because 
they are afraid that they're going to lose the, you know, the, a hold of the things that they have that, that are important to them. Like, you know, their resources, their network, their friends or family versus somebody who's, who's in abundance. The example that I used, this is kind of tongue in cheek. So take it with a grain of salt here as I go through it. But imagine if I had 10 girlfriends, if I asked one girl, if she wanted to go out to dinner to a steak place and she said, no, well, it's easy enough for me to go and ask the other nine girls if they want to go out for steak. And one of them is bound to say yes. And so I'm not worried about setting a boundary with those people because it's very easy for me to do that because I have access to other things. Um, the, the same analogy would be, uh, you know, if it costs me, you know, a hundred dollars to go to that restaurant and all I had was a hundred dollars. Well, I'm going to not really want to go to that restaurant because I want to use my resources fittingly uh, versus if I had a hundred thousand dollars going to that restaurant makes no difference to me. No big deal. So there's a difference in that uh, abundance and scarcity. Do you see a relation to the way that you, uh, you know, experienced that moving around a lot environment? Well, yeah, I, I have to tell you um, that I am <clears throat> a recovering people pleaser my whole life. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I'm a recovering people pleaser. And, and I've had to set boundaries with even my family. Um. My parents live kind of close, and so they just come over, drop by, open the door, come in. Like, I'm a grown woman. Like, let me know when you're coming over. Let me know. Like, give me that common courtesy. But they would just drop over thinking they could whenever they wanted. And um, a, a person that's gone through trauma and wants to get out of it, one of the main things is their lack of boundaries. Cause they just want, they just want to be loved and liked by people. Right. Um, the scarcity there's been, I've had scarcity in my life, but when it comes to relationships, um, I don't know. I've never felt the, the panic of, Oh no, everyone is, I'm the only one that's, you know, not with somebody and I'm going to be forever alone. I don't have that that sense, that part of scarcity, but I've had different kinds of scarcity in my life. Um, being a single mom and being, uh, I was on welfare for, for 17 years. We, I could never buy anything. My daughter wanted something. I'd say, just circle it in the magazine. We'll maybe just look at it. Maybe one day we'll get to it. But I never had, I've, I've always had to work two and three jobs to hustle to, to get what we wanted. And, uh, it meant a lot of sacrifice of not being with my, my daughter. She was alone a lot, ironically. And, um, to, to go to the to grocery store and to, to check out and have your card declined. I've, I had that happen so many times, mm -hmm. just, you know, being in that kind of mindset. So you, you come from, from this place. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know, maybe not identical, but that frustration, you don't see a way out. Your mindset's broken. This world is hard on people. So from there, you started building at some point, right? Because you got to a point where you had somebody approach you for something kind of life-changing. Yes. What, what was the, what was that little bit of progression? And then what was that kind of key point of, Hey, this mm, is, this is, a this new is such a good question. 
because this is the, the pivotal point of my life. And when I started to climb, I had a lady, I don't even know, reach out to me on Facebook. It was in a spam folder. So I didn't see it for a while. And she goes, would you ever consider, you know, competing for Miss Utah? And I kind of, I didn't respond to her at first. In my mind, this is what I see. Perfect, beautiful, ducks in a row, public figure, you know, role model. And all of those things. I didn't feel like that I was when I was um, in my young, when I was in my young twenties, um, I don't feel like I've, I made the most role modeling choices. And, and I felt like that I was scarred. I had that, uh, what's that? Is it a show that you were the, the scarlet letter? I felt like I had the scarlet letter on that. I was carrying it. So when, when I told her, I said, you know, I haven't been the greatest role model. I don't think anyone would, you know, take me seriously or look up to me based on stuff I did 20 years ago. Mm. She's Jewel. You're not, uh, you're not punished by your past. Matter of fact, if anything, the fact that you've gone through everything you've gone through and you've, you've climbed out of it, you are real like everybody else. And that's, what what makes you likable not that you're perfect and that you're unattainable but because you've been in the trenches with everybody else that's what what makes you relatable and i didn't think of it like that but i was always tarnished for life because i you know made some uh, questionable decisions <laughs> when i was younger and and so when she talked me through that and said that i'm not a prisoner of my past and I don't have to carry this. It's not a punishment. And I was still worrying about what, what, what does everybody think? So I go onto Facebook. Uh, I was asked to run for Miss Utah. What do you guys think? And because everyone, um, yeah, it was just up in arms. Yes, you should do it. That's why I decided to do it. Now, if they had said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I wonder if, if I would have really actually done it, but because everyone rallied behind me and like, Oh my gosh, this, this couldn't be more perfect. I was 42 years old. You think of Miss America and all the pageants, you think of like 18, 19, 20. I mean, think someone in their forties could do it. So what was the outcome of that decision? Yeah. So, um, I decided to compete. I won my very first time. I mean, I hate to just jump right to that, but my, I'm 42 years old. My very first pageant, I win. And my, my platform is overcoming obstacles. And isn't that what our topic is on today? Yeah. Isn't that, that overcoming is, yeah. adversity? So yeah, that was my platform all the hurdles that I've had to overcome. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, uh, do you know who Jonah Hill is the actor? Yeah. So he did this really incredible project. I can't remember the name of the project it escapes me right now. I'll try and find it and link it somewhere. But, uh, the basic premise behind it was that, uh, everybody has this snapshot of who they think they are. Um, and, and they carry it with them. And, that snapshot is what they refer back to anytime somebody uh, says something good about them or bad about them. And we compare 
that external feedback to what we have on our snapshot. And so inside, if the voice is telling you that, oh, there's no way you're a role model, there's no way you're pretty enough, or there's no way that you can accomplish something, your friends or family aren't going to support you. That's the snapshot that you're looking at. Uh, And at some point, we all have to kind of take a look at that snapshot and, uh, and burn it, get rid of it and replace it with a newer, more recent snapshot of, of ourselves. Um, somebody put me onto this saying, uh, you're not who you think you are. You're not who I think you are. You are who you think I think you are. Wow, that's deep. Yeah, it go, the, the layers of that go so deep. And it's crazy because if I think that you think that I'm not good enough, then I'm going to behave in a way that makes me not good enough. And that's why it's so important for us to examine that snapshot very, very closely and then, and then get rid of it so that we can replace it with something. And, you know, as I'm hearing you tell your story, it looks like there was like a a moment where you're like, you know what, this old snapshot of me isn't up to date and out out the window it went and, and you replaced it with a new one. Could you share a little bit about that, uh, you know, those moments when, when you were kind of contemplating whether or not you'd, you'd do something like what you did? Yeah. I, um, I, I only brought in like $800 a month. That's, that's not a lot. It didn't you, you take rent and everything else. It, I don't even know how I survived. I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't know how I did it. I wanted different. I was so tired of being on food stamps and not being able to afford anything, no gas to be able to go somewhere or have my, my credit card, my debit card decline. I wanted to show my daughter that there was a better life than being on welfare. And that just because I'm a single mom, doesn't mean that I have to be broke. It doesn't mean that we have to live this way. Cause it really was like, I robbed Peter to pay Paul. We, I, I can take anything and make something out of it. Um, I've become very creative. I mean, things aren't just handed to me. Um, we love to give gifts, but we hand make so many of them, you know? And, uh, I just, I didn't want my daughter to, this is all material stuff, but to go to school after Christmas and there's hoverboards and kids are getting all money to go on trips and new cell phones. Guess what? I couldn't do that. I had to have sub for Santa help me every single Christmas. I could not afford Christmas. Christmas was very stressful for me. It's supposed to be a a very joyous occasion. You know, it's the holidays, but I'm like how I can barely even afford to live. How am I going to get gifts? Right sold my piano so that I could, you know, have Christmas for the kids. I mean, I became very, very creative. I just got tired of being sick and tired. I got tired of being broke. And that's, that's when it began. I wanted to show my daughter that I could be someone else besides being on welfare. Where do you think that resourcefulness came from? Hmm. Well, I think it came from moving around. Um, since my dad was gone a lot in the military, my mom was kind of a single mom. So Mm. she's working. We had to fend for ourselves. So no one's doing everything for us. We just had to figure it out on our own. 
And I think that's where it came from. We just became very creative. What, what can I make? What can I do? What talents do I have? I played the saxophone. So one year I didn't have any money, but I made an, I made a holiday album for the family. And that's, that was my gift. That's so cool. It's <laughs> cool. A it's a cool gift. You can't I, buy I, it. You can't buy that. that. But I felt so cheap. Like I can't go buy you a card, but I'm going to give you some out of tune songs. But they loved it. <laughs> they loved it. And so I think that's where it started was I am no longer the stereotype being on, on welfare and food stamps and my, my kid is going to be on free lunch. And I was just tired of that. So you, you also, you've also told me too, like you, I think we all to a level want to help people and, you know, you've wanted to support others and, and empower others because you don't want other people to be stuck where you were, right. You don't want them to learn the hard way. And when we first met, I had this, I'll be honest, I had this preconceived idea of pageantry and, you know, that, that world. And, and I think if you've never dove into it, you're either watching the reality shows that embellish a lot, or you're watching the Hollywood movies that have some drama behind it. And you, you kind of snapped me out of that and showed me like what, what a change that world and that relationship with those girls is really like, not what Hollywood presents it. And not what reality TV presents it. What is that world? Hey, I, I'm telling you, I'm right there with you. I thought it was going to be um, catty, kind of the, uh, you guys remember Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. I thought it was going to be cutthroat. And that's what I thought. I was so wrong. So let me tell you about the sisterhood in pageantry. If if you know what uh, fraternity or sorority, it. It is people coming together and building each other up and cheering you on. And gosh, if I needed anything, I could ask one of these girls. It's not the the tear you down or, oh, you think you're so hot. Let me show you this. It is not that way at all. And that's the way I thought it was going to be. It is so loving and caring and genuine and authentic. And those girls that I've met in pageantry will become my bridesmaids. They're like sisters. It's a sisterhood and it's so beautiful, but I've never experienced that before. Everyone so, wants everyone to succeed and it's not the, the bickering and pulling crabs in a barrel, you know? And you find that quite often, uh, the crabs in a barrel effect, people, uh, trying to hold you back or, or doing this or doing that. There's a couple of people, um, you know, mentors of mine or people I kind of look up to that all talk about your loser friends and how, you know, what, just when you think you're taking a step forward, they're very quick to pull you back because if you change, that means that they need to change and they're not good enough as they are. And you've shown them that there's, you know, that possibility. And, and so they don't like that. And they want to kind of keep you where you're at. So it's wonderful that you found, you know, um, a, a collective of people that are genuine in the support that they offer you and, and, and the path that you're on. What kind of advice do you have for somebody that maybe is stuck in a crabs in the bucket environment? Start serving your community. That's, that's where it begins. 
I, I believe the more you give, the more you get back. Um, I learned, um, if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll tell you this story real quick. After I won Utah, then I got to go to nationals. And I had five weeks to go to nationals. Remember, I'm on welfare. I don't have any money. The gowns, um, the cost, the, the, the fees, the transportation, all of that. The state doesn't pay for it. I had so many people go, well, isn't Utah covering it for you? No. Utah's not going to pay for me to go do that. I mean, yes, I miss Utah, but it's not a government. It's a, it's, it doesn't work like that. So anyway, with my gown and my travel, I needed $10,000 and five weeks to do it. Plus dial in my fitness, plus, you know, still be able to take care of my family. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I'm about four weeks in and I'm campaigning. I'm, you know, going live on Facebook. I'm doing um, GoFundMe. I am not getting the traction at all. I mean, I maybe had $1,500 and I have 10,000 to go. And I don't know what to do because I'm putting it out there. Hey, everyone, I'm running and I need help with this. This is where it came. This is the, the, the transition. I decided to do a Facebook Live, but I was completely stripped down. No lashes. I was not the beauty queen. I was completely raw. And I said, hey, I want to show you why I'm doing this, where I live, what my life is like, and, and why I want to, um, why I'm working so hard, you know, for this goal. And when I became very raw and vulnerable, and the mask came off and the shield, people came out of the woodwork. And it wasn't my friends and family. It were perfect strangers. My friends and family didn't support me. A little bit they did. But the community just came out. And in one week, I did $9,000 and I made it. Otherwise, if I didn't make it, they would have stripped my crown. That, that's incredible. I'm I'm literally getting goosebumps over here. Just like hearing how, uh, being just authentic and genuine and true to yourself and how powerful that can be. The secret sauce is being raw and vulnerable. So Mitch, like you, you probably saw me and already had a perception of me, right? I hear it. I get it. I've been the new girl my whole life. So I know all about this. Yeah. Little do they know there's so much depth, so much pain. And, and my pain that I've been through is what fueled, gave me the, the power to want to be better. So my pain became my purpose. We've talked, I think we've talked about this before on, on this podcast, at least once about the idea of torching the island, right? You're on the island, everything's fine, but it sucks. It's, a, it's hard to find food. It's nobody around. There's no shelter. Um, your resources are super limited. And if you just look off in the distance over this little channel of water that seems too far to swim, uh, there's the mainland and everything is there and all the people are there and you can see them having a great time. Uh, and you know what? The the swim is what holds you back from, from 
getting there because it's a lot of work and there's risks and it's dangerous and it could be sharks in the water or whatever. And the only way you're ever going to be able to do something like get from where you are to where you want to be, uh, Tony Robbins says it the best here, uh, when the pain of change is less than the pain of staying the same, uh, that's when change can occur. And so you have to quite literally torch your island. And I think for you, it's, it's like, you know, in the stories that you're sharing, that being raw on and, and authentic on Facebook live to a group of strangers was you literally torching your island so that you could, you know, make that swim. And how amazing was it to have all those people get behind you and support you? It is so hard to put yourself out there and to be raw like that in front of, you know, millions of people. It really is. But to, to circle back and answer your question, what advice do I have? One is to serve your community, but the more that you, the more I helped someone else achieve their goal, it just fell into place. It ended up helping me. So I stopped focusing so much on me as I was helping other people. I know that sounds crazy, but there's a there's an old uh, Chinese proverb that r- r- roughly translates to in order to help yourself, sometimes you have to help others. And uh, I share something really common with you in that when I was younger, I traveled around a lot too. my parents moved from house to house uh, quite frequently through my early childhood uh, it was until I was in my teens when they finally settled down on a farm. And um, I just got used to not having friends. So when you get stuck in this small town and you're kind of like forced to start interacting with people, I started to kind of like realize and recognize the quality of the people that were around me. And it wasn't long before I was, you know, making really poor decisions and heading down the wrong path and, uh, you know, letting go of my attachment to those, that group of people. Um, was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, but it was also the best thing that ever happened. And this idea that things don't happen to you, they happen for you, you. right? And that's something that a lot of people miss. Um, You know, you don't value something unless you work for it. I'm a strong believer in that. If if something's given to you and it's free, you're only going to care about it so much until eventually you just don't care about it at all. But if you worked for something, you like, like a car. If I give you a car, it's like, whatever, you'll do your best. But if it gets a ding in it, like you don't care. And then after the first ding, it's got 15. And at that point, who cares? But if you buy a car, you spend $20,000 of your hard earned money on it. You're going to be out there polishing that thing every single day. So having something happen for you changes your reaction to it. Uh, you know, that adversity that you're facing, um, you know, expressing gratitude for, Hey, thanks for this resilience. Thanks for the, uh, chance to, you know, become a resourceful individual. All of that collectively forms a mindset. And then when you go out into the world with this mindset, people are attracted to you. It's like gravity. Have you found that happen for you, uh, as you've gone through your journey? Oh my gosh. That's exactly what's happened. 1000%. And um, I I have people coming out of the woodwork that I never even knew that I had inspired them. 
you know, and they're coming back and telling me that, that I have, um, it, it definitely hasn't been, it hasn't been easy. It's, it's, it's not a cakewalk by any means, but I will tell you that pivotal point of me deciding to run for Miss Utah, putting myself, it's, it's really putting myself out there and, and doing, uh, having a platform and a cause and helping other people. I went from being on welfare and in one year I made six times my income in one year. Holy cow. I bought my daughter a car and gave it to her on her 16th birthday. Um, we moved into a nice home. I bought a brand new car. I mean, these are things that I've never had for the first time ever. And it, it wasn't because I was Miss Utah. It was because I put myself out there and I was vulnerable and I allowed the mask to come down and soften up to where, where people could understand me a little bit. And it's not what they saw on Facebook because what people see on social media, we all know is not really what is, right? You're not what you post to be. <laughs> I mean, it's all sunshine and rainbows and you know unicorns and stuff but people really don't know what you're going through and until you, you open up and you're vulnerable, vulnerable about it. And I did get, I've been uh, bullied more now that I'm a public figure. Mm. You get the non-pageant girls that say, aren't you tired of wearing that sash and crown? Like get over yourself. I'm embarrassed for you. I've heard a lot of that. And then my reply back to it is, says the girl without a crown like you do what i'm doing and then and then come at me but if you're just going to sit behind a computer and be anonymous and try to start up stuff i no longer care what everybody else thinks so not only am i a recovering people pleaser i just don't care i don't care people talk about me i don't and before i was so worried about it i want to be liked so bad I think we forget how many well-intentioned people throughout history, like this isn't a new concept. Everyone who tried to pursue something positive, everybody that tried helping other people, they were oppressed in some way. And, and whether that was uh, spiritually, financially, whatever, you look at anyone who's done any sort of, you know, goodwill work has been oppressed. And I, th I think, you know, I've always said that if you're not being pressured, if you're not being, a, you know, bullied a little bit, you're probably not going in the right direction. And that's, that's what I've always viewed. It's like, you need support and, and you need your, your tribe. And we've talked a lot about that, but it doesn't matter what you're doing, because if the, if the world supports you a hundred percent, you're probably going in the wrong direction. Um, <laughs> You know, if you don't get some resistance and, you know, so for you, I look at it like the fact that you are making people uncomfortable by doing something that you feel good, that makes you feel good, that helps your, you know, your daughter, it overcomes adversity. It puts you on a path that, you know, to achieve your goals, then that's a win. And I think when, when we take this into the business part of it, cause we all have kind of our business goals as well. It doesn't matter what you choose to do. There's going to be people that say, no, that's not a good idea. But there's also going to be people that say, you know what, if you 
do it this way, or here's some advice, you will achieve your goal. And for me, that's what I see with, with you. If you would have stayed on welfare for the rest of your life and just been like, this is where I'm destined to be. Well, guess what? There would have been people that are like, yep, totally supportive of that. Is that a healthy support? No, but it's support. But there's also people that were like, oh, get off your butt, get a job. Well, that's not easy either. They're just, they're pointing something out. They're not actually bringing a solution to you. You're the one that had to bring your own solution. And so the fact that you had the ability and the confidence to just work through that, that's a mindset. And I think that's a really good example for other people, whether they're dealing with their personal life or their business life, it's a mindset. There's always going to be someone support you good or bad. I you had... know, Mitch, it's uh, interesting that you say that. Uh, and sorry to interrupt you. I just want to, before I lose this thought, you remember the snapshot that we all have of ourselves? You know, it's uh, interesting that once you kind of recognize it and, and you go through your own, you know, box of shit, it makes it really easy, at least I've found for myself, to be able to, I don't I'll call it pickpocket somebody's portrait from them. And when, let's say you're on social media and you're posting about something for yourself or whatever else, and, and one of those haters does creep into that feed and, you know, dump their negativity on you, that is a sneak peek at what they believe for themselves. And when somebody says, the way you said that, uh, I'm embarrassed for you. And you know what? That's absolutely fine for you to feel that way. If you are embarrassed for me being here and Mitch, I think you can probably relate. Uh, Your mom won't watch any of the podcasts, (laughs) but if you're embarrassed for me, that's totally fine. And you know what? If you ever want me to help point you in the right direction so that you won't feel embarrassed, I'm here for you. And I genuinely mean that. And it's coming from the deepest, darkest part of me because I know what it's like to feel like that. And that's the power that we have collectively as, um, you know, thought leaders in our communities, I think. You need a gold star of what you just said. <laughs> that was so powerful. I have a whole box of gold stars for Devin. I pulled them out every so often. <laughs> wow. It, it truly does. When someone says something, they're just projecting. It means it's mm-hmm. really saying more about them yeah. than, than it is about you. But I, I took off. And was so determined to do this, that this is what my daughter said, because remember, she was the, she was a big reason why I I wanted to do it was to Mm -hmm. show her. She said, I feel like I live in your shadow now. That's tough. And I was like, damn that, that hit, but she saw me work and go through all of, you know, overcome all these hurdles and obstacles and adversity. And she joined the Marines. Wow. My daughter wanted to go to college and I couldn't afford to put her through college. She goes, I'm going to go through the GI bill and I'm not going to go easy. I'm not going to go air force or army. I mean, those are all, all the branches are great. She picked the hardest one. There's only 8% of women in the Marines. Well, she just graduated last week. And now who's in the limelight? <laughs> she is. Right. But Who casts a shadow now? <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that's wonderful. Isn't that a cool story? Yeah, I've always I got a seven-year-old at home and I'm it's it's like looking in a mirror. They don't do what you say. They never do what you say. 
They always do what you do. It's like me times 10 in a tiny little package. And, and when I just, when he talks, he's, he always challenges, he's always questioning, he's always pushing boundaries and things like that. And I never realized how much of that I have for myself, how much I, you know, push back or, or, or whatever the case may be. And uh, so for you to finally kind of see the effect of your actions and how they translated into her life, that must be powerful. Well, you think that if I would have saved money and just given her her whole college education, that she would have valued it? No. Probably not as I much as she does right now. I gave her her car on her 16th birthday. It was a big deal for me to be able to afford to buy her a, a car. Mm-hmm. She didn't. She trashed that thing. She didn't value it. But now she bought herself a new car and she babies it. So it just goes back to, to what to what you said. You have to invest to have any value because if it's given to you for free, you're not gonna you know, put much weight into it. Yeah. So um kind of moving along your story. So you you won and you you won your first year. And so did you hang it up after that? After my first year, I went, I didn't place. And I'm like, I can't believe I didn't place. I look better than all these girls. But there's so much more than just looking pretty. Anyone can put on a dress and look pretty. Um, The categories were evening gown, uh, swimsuit, onstage question and interview. And I feel like I did well in all those categories. But you didn't Um, want world peace but I didn't even place. I didn't place. So I use that as kind of a, a, all right, I've done it once and now I know what to expect. And now I'm going to go again. So the next, <clears throat> I waited a year cause it's expensive. I'm not going to lie. Pageantry is very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, my gown itself was a mortgage payment. Uh, my son saved his money and gave it to me for mother's day. So I had wow. this beautiful gown, but since I knew what to expect, um, I decided to do it again. And not only did I, I won state again, but I placed second in the whole United States. Wow. I could have won it. I made it, I made a mistake and I, and I know what it is. And I think I probably would still do that same mistake today. And, and the mistake was, they wanted everyone to do a model walk that was very uniform. And I'm 50 state, there's 50 states, everyone's doing the exact same walk. And I wanted to set myself apart from the, the other 50 girls. Right. And so I added a little shimmy and some flair. And man, the audience, the, the crowd was going crazy. They said, Utah. And I mean, it just, it went crazy and that motivated me and it gave me a spring in my step a little bit too much of a spring in my step oops <laughs> <laughs> because uh the judge came to me after and goes don't ever do that again and i was like oh man so that that did cost me the you know the the u.s title but i was so true to me and i was in the moment and i wanted him to see i have personality i'm not just a sheep Mm. So I would still do it the same way. And I think that's the sacrifice one would make to be unique, isn't it? Mm-hmm. 
And so moving on, I know you have other goals and aspirations, so it'll be really fun to see how that uh, pans out. But I, I think if we bring this back for audiences, uh, for the audience, the listeners, um, I think up to this point, we've been very, in, in the podcast episodes, we've been very business focused. Um, but I know so much of what we want to bring forward is, is mindset, inspiration. We want to have kind of these talks for people that necessarily don't want to start a business, but they need something. And so speaking to those people, is there a message you want to bring out? Is there a message you want to send to them? Because I think everyone listening has some sort of adversity. They have some sort of obstacle or mindset to overcome. You know, is there a, let's say a, a jewel message that yeah, uh, don't wait for everybody else to don't get approval from everyone else. If it resonates with you and calls to you, then you should do it. And, and don't wait for everyone else to, to give you the green light. Become the author of your own story. Thank you. (laughs) I I love it. Um, I think that's where we're going to wrap it up here for this episode. Uh, If you're listening, make sure to like, subscribe, follow, um, leave some feedback. Let us know if you like this, if you want more of this stuff. If you have a topic that you'd like us to touch on, you can uh, hit us up on our email. That's email the perspective at gmail.com, or you can send us a DM on any one of our platforms. It's either me or Mitch that will answer you. Um, And for now, that's a wrap for this episode and we will see you in the next one. All right.